And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Swings here and he drives one deep in the center. Puig is racing back, still going back. He looks up, it's gone! Over the center field wall for Hunter Pence. Pence will touch them all and score them all. A grand slam for Hunter Pence. It's not easy when it's tough. That's when you find out what you're made of. You get so much Brisby in your ears if you want it. If you want Brisby, oh gosh, you get it. Anybody want coffee? I'm making coffee. Anybody want? Yes! 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 I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. You're listening to The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number five of the Baseball Barista. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Hunter Pence, and we're going to talk about some baseball. How you doing, Hunter? Outstanding. Great to be here, Grant. And what a week of baseball we have had. Look, we're about 15% the way through the season, which is hard to believe. Feels like it just started, but it's, it's always, it, it catches up with you. You know, we're 15% of the way through the baseball season. But it's been a fun baseball season. And maybe it's because fans are back. Maybe we just we were ready for a good baseball season. But I feel like I'm enjoying like I, just turning on like a random, I don't know, White Sox, uh, Tigers game or something like that. Like I'm just enjoying flipping on a random baseball game more than ever this year. They're very entertaining. There's no shortage of things to talk about. There's no shortage of funny comments from players and of great things happening and of wild things happening. There's so many storylines and there's so many teams fluctuating. And I've been so wrong about so many like my thoughts at the beginning of the season, like for one, at first I thought the A's they had this great spring. Then they come out 0-6, and, and then they win 13 <laughs> games in a row. Anyway, just like all sorts of madness. It's been 15% and we're just touching the iceberg. Now, the one, the team that's surprising me, so we, there's a lot of surprising games. You got the Red Sox, you know, you have uh, the Brewers, I think we knew were going to be pretty, pretty darn good, but they're performing at a level even above and beyond what I might have expected. The Giants are surprising. The Royals, to me, are like, I was not seeing that fast start coming. And again, it's early, and we've seen these fast starts. I think the Mariners had one in 2019, and then they come back down to earth. Uh, But the Royals, just to start the season, they look like a team that... A, they spent the offseason trying to make their team better, which isn't a given these days. But B, they seem like a team that's got solid pitching throughout. Like, they're just, they have a a nice, a lot of homegrown pitchers. They have just a nice core of starting pitchers. They have, like, a couple of young guys that are uh, are starting to kind of develop. And then they brought in, they brought in some really good veterans, you know. The Santana and Salvador Perez has just been incredible. And Whit Merrifield is he's like a baseball player like you want to you want to watch a guy who does everything right and he's tiny he's he's really small when you meet him and man he's got big pop and he's got he's just like so smart um they got they just got a they're really smart baseball people whoever's running over there but they also have some young bullpen arms that are filthy 
Today's episode's going to be focused uh, quite a bit on pitching, and I think that's the theme with all these teams off to a fast start, and that's not, like, surprising. You know, the teams that pitch well are the teams that are winning. I mean, that's sort of the point of baseball. But at the same time, it seems like pitching today is different. Like, you can have guys like DeGrom and Walker Buehler who are... It's not like there there have never been great pitchers in baseball. I mean, every every generation, every season has great pitchers. But it seems like the pitchers today, when they excel, they're doing it in this just dominant. You can't touch them way unless you're you're hitting a home run off them. It's 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 hard to hit these guys. Yeah, I think that the the biomechanics and like the science of the human body has reached a level and and a mastery where pitchers these days are throwing so hard. And they're able to to manipulate so many things, uh, spin rates, you know, different ball going in different angles. Um, it's just the velocities and, and the power and, and maximizing the body is at an all time high. Where hitters, as as like a battle to that, have to like literally do so much research and try to match the plane, and it's like a guessing game because they're throwing so hard you don't have time. So you're really guessing as a hitter because they've really done a great job with the craft of pitching and we are watching some absolute phenomenal phenomenal pitchers today the spin rate we know the velocity we know has been ticking up what's getting me are these pitchers who are able to command this stuff because when you look at the top of the leaderboard when you look at uh, strikeout to walk ratio you have jacob Degrom has struck out 50 and he's walked three that's freaky that should be like an all-time outlier except Garrett Cole has the exact same stats. He's struck out 50. He's walked three. And then you have Corbin Burns. I mean, he got touched up a little bit uh, in his start on Monday against the Marlins. He's struck out 49 without walking anybody. He's, he's on pace to set a record that was set by a reliever. I mean, it's the command too, right? Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying is like the, all of the biomechanics, the, the science of the body. I mean, I haven't been studying pitching, but I just know that the mechanics have really, there is like a formula. And the fact that they're not walking anyone, because a lot of these pitchers are throwing ball to strikes to get these strikeouts, it just tells me that their stuff is filthy and like you can't lay off of it. So watching that Burns guy is, is pretty impressive right now. And he throws so much stuff that's like, that just looks like a strike for a long time and is just disappearing. And then when you have 98 and he can throw it for a strike whenever he wants it, you have to respect it. You're a hitter. You're a professional hitter. You're an all-star hitter. Is hitting harder than pitching? Like, is is there a, a ceiling for hitting? Like, if guys are throwing 100 miles per hour on the corners, like, is there only so much you can do about that? I mean, is there, uh, at some point, do pitchers have the ultimate advantage? Well, I mean, it's all relative. Like, yes, like mathematically speaking, the pitcher is supposed to win more than the hitter. But at the same time, you're evaluated on that average, right? So you're evaluated on how often you are supposed to fail versus how often you are supposed to succeed. So in essence, yes, it's more difficult to hit. But in essence, also, maybe it's more easy to hit because you don't have to hit as often. You're not supposed to succeed as much. But it's the age old, just be the best you can at what you're supposed to do. So If that makes any sense to you, like it's definitely extremely hard to hit some of these pitchers. And when you're facing a Jacob deGrom, you know you're going to have to cheat and you're going to have to like, you know, a lot of times swing for where the baseball isn't. And you're going to have to do a crazy amount of homework, which I'm sure deGrom has done his, his homework, but like he can miss. He's just built his body and he's just so talented and he's just mastered his craft so much that it's so explosive that even when he does miss, it's going to be extremely tough for you to succeed off of it. 
I used to think that at some point the pitchers were going to be the ones that had the glass ceiling because there's only so much velocity you can get out of a human body. No matter how much you bulk up, no matter how much you stretch, there is just a limit to the kinetic energy you can provide through that chain. You know, you can only throw, let's say, 105 miles per hour. Like, you're just capped. There's there's not going to be a human body that we know of that's going to be able to throw harder than that. And so I thought at some point the hitters are going to get bigger, stronger, smarter. They're going to have access to all the data. They're going to be in control at some point. I was not prepared for, you know, now we're talking about moving the, the mound back maybe, or maybe we're talking about lower on the mound. You know, we're going back to 1968. Pitchers just seem like they have a, a definite biomechanical advantage right now. Yeah, but at the same time, like, how fun is it to watch perfect games? There's still not that many perfect games being thrown and no hitters. You know, like these things, pitching is extremely fun to watch as well. So... There's many ways to enjoy the game of baseball. It's not just home runs. Like sometimes it can be exhausting to watch huge like blowouts and and stuff going every which way. Sometimes it can be fun. Like I think back to the Dodgers and Astros World Series where it was just like this crazy back and forth. But if you have that every night, you're gonna go crazy. So like the balance and and the flow. Like there's a mean. There's a there's a harmony and there's a, a top and a bottom of the wave. You know. And so you just gotta enjoy each and every one of them. I think another thing that's actually really interesting to talk about right now because of what happened in 2020 and the shortened season, because of how good pitchers are getting, because we're now doing seven-inning double headers, when's the next 3,000 hits going to ever happen? Is it even going to happen? Like, are we going to see another 3,000 hitter in, like, the next... 20, 30 years? That's a good question because right now it seems like when you are a a prospect coming out of the minor leagues, you're not going to be focused on uh, average. You're going to be focused on, you know, hitting the ball as hard as you can, doing the most damage uh, that you can possibly can. And I don't know when that's going to change, but I do know that baseball is cyclical. Who's close to 3,000 right now? You've got Miguel Cabrera. He's at 20, uh, 2,870. He's got a chance. Oh, he's going to get there. He's going to get there. So we will see. After Cabrera, will we see another with the... Uh, I guess if he did it, someone can do it. Yeah, well, you know, you've got Cano uh, at 2,600. That He's already 38. That's going to be a tough slog. You have Yadier Molina after that. 2022 hits so the the drop off is steep and if you're talking about an under 30 the the most hits from someone under 30 well you might have expected it Mike Trout he's got 1406 hits uh he's 29 years old yeah I could see that I could see that you know Mike Trout might be the guy Trout's gonna probably get there as well so Miguel Cabrera and Mike Trout that's actually super sad about Mike Trout's career the uh the whole missing half a season and and missing these at bats but you know he he yeah, he's going to have to stay healthy for sure. Um, but yeah, I, it'll be exciting to watch. Yeah, you know, if there is any consolation, it is that it's not unprecedented for the best hitters in the world to miss some time. You have Ted Williams missing three years because of the World War II. Willie Mays, I think, missed a year because of the Korean War. So it's it, there is precedence. Okay, okay. So we're definitely going to see 3,000 hits several more times. Yeah, I think Mike Trout is just such an outlier, though. But You're right. It's just the focus is going to be on hitting the best balls you can, not necessarily getting the high batting averages, not spoiling those two-strike pitches. It There's still a, a lot of all or nothing on the two-strike pitches, and that's because it, it helps teams win. Like, it's not like these teams just invented this and, and they're not sure what to do. It's They've determined, no, taking a yuckadoo swing on 0-2 gives you the best chance to win, so we're going to keep doing that. Baseball's cyclical, but for now, that's what baseball is. 
there are also like role players and there is like a mechanism but i mean maybe the math and the data is just even your your like leadoff hitter or your you know your table setters you know but i do think that there's still some people that ha- that are out there that still have the philosophy let's get our guys in front of the bangers like on base and there's going to be another you know just great hitter that's going to you know do like the Derek Jeter thing and be a great defender uh, i think we'll still see some of those players but maybe not i don't know because even you know like fernando tatis man this dude's just crushing the ball and like story all the even the shortstops are are big home run power hitters now yeah you know let's take a, an example uh nick madrigal right so you have nick madrigal it's the beginning of his his major league career he is something of a baseball unicorn where he does not strikeout right now he's taken 72 plate appearances he struck out twice you know he's going to hit 300 he's going to have a little bit of pop but you're not going to turn him he's still waiting for his first major league home run you're not going to turn him into joey gallo you wouldn't want to you know he is just like a baseball unicorn i think there's always going to be guys like that who just show up and you don't want to change them because it works look at you you're tony gwynn you're ichiro it works go 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 and do that Exactly. Exactly. I think there's still going to be those those madrigals that'll show up and find a way to win in a different way than the math has exactly said. And like people are going to love them and and want to watch for that gift that they bring. So I'm glad I asked you about this because we would we would have these talks in the clubhouse. We we would be like and and I was actually on the board. I was like someone's going to hit three thousand. But I remember when we looked up the numbers, maybe they were skewed. It looked like no one was going to get it. But I, I guess that was also in, in in a dark time where we weren't sure. If we were going to play and whatnot, but I'm excited to see if, if Mike Trout gets it. And uh, I do think there will be more Madrigals in each row. Not, not exactly like them, but special players that come through that are going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it, you know, when I first started writing about baseball, it was in this post-Moneyball era where you're knowing, okay, it's walks, it's home runs, and baseball's changing, and and you're not, it's not in 1878 anymore, and you're not necessarily worried about punching it through the other side. And my contrarian take was that Batting average is still cool because what you what it's talking about are happy. It's like happy fun moments. A hit is a happy fun moment. It might not be the best kind of hit you can get. There are hits that can help your team win more than a single. But if you've got a guy who hits 333, a third of the time he's given his fans a happy fun moment. And so batting average is just it's it's not the greatest statistic. It's not the most predictive. It explains how you might be enjoying baseball. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be honest. Like I definitely think batting average is the most overrated stat but i will say that i still like honor it like because i just grew up on batting average and it's like the number one stat that we follow we understand we know as baseball players coming up in my era and following the batting title is one of the coolest accomplishments and most fun things to follow during the season the era title the you know the wins and but i mean the batting average title and the home run Title. I actually follow the batting average title more than the home run title of each year. Like, I remember who won the batting title, and I love that. Like, you go to Milwaukee now, and instead of your average, they put your OPS on the board, and it's like because OPS to me just tells the story way better. Is it a, is it the perfect stat? Probably not, but OPS is the number that we should be following to really like know what a hitter's doing. But it also, like you said, it doesn't make sense as far as like a fan and the story of each at bat you know it, it's it's it, it's it's a weird concept when do we gonna have the ops champion right i mean yeah you're, you're not following that leaderboard the same way when i'm writing you know there's all these advanced stats uh, at my fingertips at the same time i generally use batting average 
on base percentage, slugging percentage. Because the batting average tells you how often you're successful. The on-base percentage says, well, how much of that is a product of the balls falling in? How much is a product of walks? And the slugging percentage is, you know, what kind of damage are you doing? When I'm going over the college teams and when I'm going to interview like a coach or something and I'm, I'm doing that whole thing and I'm looking at like what hitters are doing their thing, I don't even look at their average. I go straight to slugging and on-base percentage. And then I also, I'll, I'll look at RBIs because to me, I think, I know that like the math people don't give RBIs credit, but it's like you have to earn every RBI because these pitchers do not want to give up runs. That's what they are paid on is not giving up runs. So to knock in runs is to like beat the pitcher a hundred million percent. And it's so hard to like, like the guys that are driving in a ton of runs, they're helping you win games in major ways. I mean, that's what wins games. And I know that there's, you know, some hitters have more runners on or whatever, but I think that it's, it's a product of like a mentality. It's being able to beat a pitcher at his best because a lot of times when you're up to bat and no one's on a pitcher's given, like he's cruising a starting pitcher, but as soon as someone gets on base, they lock in and you're going to have to face the filthiest stuff. So like the ones who are driving in runs are hitting and heated a high high leverage moments, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know if I can look at a batter's runs batted in total for a season and say, oh, well, he's going to do that next year. Or, you know, this is predictive and this means he's this kind of player. But I can look at a batter's RBI total and say, oh, it was really fun to watch that player. Like, you know, that guy did his job that season. There's something that he did that helped his team win that season. So I do like RBI as, again, like a happy fun stat. Like it's, you know something about the player. I don't know, though. Like, if you watched Arenado over the last couple of years, man, this dude's driving in tons of runs. And, like, when runners get on base, he gives you a different at bat. You know, like, Carlos Lee, I played with him. This dude, as soon as a runner was on base, like, he literally had a philosophy. When no one was on, he was swinging for a home run. If someone was in scoring position, he just tried to flare one over the second baseman. That was it. Like, he's driving the run in. And, like, driving in those runs is, is an art. It is a thing, and there are a lot of hitters that have – there's going to be fluctuations of, like, you know, whatever. But typically, follow that with a lot of of hitters. It's going to be very similar. I would like to look at – let's say even, like, Mike Trout when he's healthy for a full season. What have his RBI totals been? I'm sure he's around 100. Pujols around 100. Especially in his prime, Pujols was, like, 120. Getting 100 RBIs is one of the greatest achievements, like – in, in my opinion, that's a stat that I like. You have a 100 RBI season, you put in work, and you dominated that season. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you get injured, you don't want to wait for answers and options. That's why it may be time to explore the Nano Experience, a revolutionary treatment option designed to help active people get back to the lifestyles they love. Nanotechnology allows surgeons to see inside even the smallest joints and treat orthopedic conditions with a tiny camera and other nano instrumentation, all through a barely there poke hole incision. Wherever you've experienced an injury, whether it be foot and ankle, hand and wrist, shoulder and elbow, knee or hip, Nanoarthroscopy can be used to diagnose and treat your condition in an extremely, minimally invasive way. 
Don't wait to learn about the revolutionary nano experience and how it could help you or someone you know after an injury. Visit arthrex.info slash the athletic. This is not medical advice and is not meant to be a substitute for advice from your physician. Talk with your physician about your health condition, potential surgical risks, and whether Arthrex products are right for you. Post-operative management is patient-specific and dependent upon your physician's assessment. Individual results will vary. You know, one of the bigger sample sizes we can go on is Tony Gwynn. And with the bases empty, he hit 328. With men on, he hit 352 for his career. Uh, that's probably like the best example of a dude who just had hitting down to a science and was just a little bit different with men on base. Yeah, hitting with men on base is, is definitely a thing. And there's and people say that like it's the same all the time, but like emotions change the game 100% because we're human beings. We're not robots. And some people rise to like, really tense situations and some people they like either relax into it or like like David Ortiz and like Jim Tomey these are guys that were like super clutch like Derek Jeter it's like almost the ones who can stay in that state of grace versus like making it a big deal from my studying because I always studied clutch hitting and like a lot of times when I was young I would get too amped up I would want to hit it so hard I would get like fired up I wanted it so bad as I studied it I learned that I had to like really calm down and like be almost softer and and like light focus like just trust like don't change anything so there is an art and the emotions changes and it's the same for like opening week and like you get this high intensity energy and and then you kind of level out and and that's why like it's weird but you'll see different players have like these certain months where they go off and and like even like the playoffs like the emotions change and the game is different because it's a whole different feeling now let me play devil's advocate for a little bit it seems like when you reach Major League Baseball and you're one of the 750 or some odd uh, Major League, you're, you're a Major League Baseball player, that's a little bit of a self-selecting pool because if you wilt it under pressure, maybe you don't make the high school team. And if you made the high school team, maybe you're not D1. Maybe you can't make a D1 team. And if you make the D1 team, if you wilt even a little bit more under pressure, maybe you're not making the, maybe you're not drafted, you know, and so on and so on until you are the best of the best. And maybe you kind of have an idea of how to operate under pressure. I disagree because like sometimes people are just super talented and like you'll have certain players where, you know, they hit really well when things are going well. And then like all of a sudden the game gets on the line and like they don't necessarily get it done as much, you know, and and then there's some hitters that are like just kind of average and like they're good players. But then when the game gets on the line, like Pablo is incredible. Like the bigger the circumstances, the better he gets. And like, I remember even talking to Bumgarner and Bumgarner would get super angry because like the better the other team was, the better he was. Cause like he, and he was like trying to figure out why. And like the worst the other team was like, he didn't, it was almost like, like he didn't give them as much credit and like he didn't understand it, but like he would get rocked by like teams that weren't when we were at, when he, you know, when we were at our peak and like, he was like trying to figure it out, but he got in the playoffs or, or the World Series and he put up these just ridiculous numbers and it was just kind of a part of who he was is like rising to the occasion. So yeah, he's great and he's great always, but like there's different personalities that like kind of, they just respond differently to the different circumstances. I was scared we weren't going to get to talk about this. So I'm glad you segued into that nicely for me. Madison Bumgarner over the weekend on Sunday, a seven inning no hitter, officially not a no hitter. Do you think that's a no hitter? Like an official no hitter, seven innings. I don't think it's an official no-hitter. I go back and forth. He's had a couple of different uh, outings where he got into the eighth inning with no hits. And so he's been there before, but he's never been able to finish it. It's just a different kind of beast, right? 
The sad part about it is that he didn't get the opportunity to go for the natural no-hitter. And I understand the circumstances. Like, the circumstances are we're going to have so many doubleheaders because there's going to be postponements and we're in a crazy time right now. There's a lot of things that are being kind of ruined by the, the new rules as far as, like, you know, the classic stats. This is why the stats are really weird. It's like even hitting with a runner on second base in extra innings is wild like because there's extra rbis on on board but also maybe is there not extra rbis on board because we're not going further innings i don't know it's a weird it's weird to really classically argue the stats anymore especially with seven inning games like the season's gonna be like the stats aren't gonna be the same because we're missing out on all these innings and it's 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 tough to really explain but i think the the tragedy is just the situation that you know the world is in not necessarily you know, that he didn't get to go for the full no-hitter. You know, it's just like we have to make sacrifices because of. And so, did he win the game? Yeah. Do we give him I, – I, I, I don't know. It's You're right. It's, what is your thoughts? What do you think? Do you think it's a real no-hitter? I go back and forth. It stinks that he doesn't get the chance. And so, what are you going to do? You finish the game. You haven't allowed a hit. Yeah, let's mob each other on the mound. Like, that was – what else can he do? At the same time, those two innings, there's a lot that can happen in those two innings. And so, as an official, official no-hitter – I don't know. I go back and forth. I go back and forth. So, But I do know, before we get to Ask Hunter, you wanted to talk about the A's. You're pumped up about the A's. And so I want to make sure the winning streak, they were one of your teams before the season. What are your thoughts about the A's? I'm really impressed. Like I, And honestly, I haven't gotten to watch any of their games. I just look at the stats. To have that fluctuation, something amazing is happening. Like I love the leadership. I, I hope that there's more stories that come out from what they're doing and like these teams because they're just, and they know they haven't had the success in the postseason yet, but it's still so cool to watch. They're never expected to be anything and they always come through and they're really, really good. And, and when they do have their down year, they turn it around so quick. You were worried about them losing quite a few big pieces, you know, losing Simeon. Losing Hendricks, like these are crazy good players and probably pretty big leaders in the clubhouse. And they had a great spring, so you're like, okay, yeah, they're gonna be good. They lose six straight. It, this is just absolutely absurd. And then to win 13 in a row at any level, especially the highest level, it is so exciting for baseball. And by the way, I just think it's amazing, and I think we we need to stay following. This is just 15% into the season. Like maybe they catch another one of those streaks, but they got cut off by one of those pitchers who's doing some special stuff. When you talk about like these low ERAs, they they lose their win streak against Means. John Means, man, he might be the most underrated pitcher in baseball. I didn't give him enough credit. You know, he's finished. I think he finished second in the Rookie of the Year voting a couple years ago, and then he has he has like a weird year last year where it's a shortened season. He's got the great strikeout-to-walk ratio, but he allows a, a ton of home runs. And so you kind of go, oh, okay, that's just a guy having a you know a career, whatever. He's pretty good. He's pretty dang good. I mean, I don't know what he changed, but I know when I met him, he's a lot bigger than you think. I got to face him, and I got to face him when I was extremely hot. I was extremely healthy, and I would say probably the best hitter that I ever was in my career when I was with the Rangers. And he was a lefty, which I... I really punished lefties. I was prepared for lefties. Didn't really know who this guy was. Knew he was having a good year. Knew he had a good changeup. But this guy has feel. His fastball gets on you. It plays way up. And the changeup, it is really tough to figure out. I would actually put his feel like a notch below Johnny Cueto. But it just felt like whatever I was looking for means through the other one. And I was like switching it through the at-bat. Like, all right, changeup. 
fastball, boom, first pitch. Like, what? No way he threw me a first pitch fastball. Like, change up, fastball. Oh, man, there's two fastballs. Every single time I switched, he switched. It was crazy. So he's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I never gave him enough credit. You know, it's it's. I'm not watching a ton of Orioles games uh, for, I think, obvious reasons. But he's probably one of those pitchers that has a, a claim to the most underrated in baseball. He's, he's been good for a while now. Here's the thing is, he's a guy you want, if, if the Orioles are in town, go watch. And he's pitching, go watch him pitch. And, like, he has, like, some giddy up. I think he got a little extra spin rate, and he's got, like, angle, and he's getting some carries. So that makes the, the changeup play so much better. So, like, left-handed pitchers out there, if the Orioles come into your town, go watch what he's doing because he's – He's Dyson, he's he's Picasso in the corners, and he's he's changing speeds, times, or, or even if it's on TV and you get a chance, uh, check out him, check out Means. Uh, this dude's doing some, some really cool stuff. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs. And how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, we're going to transition to Ask Hunter, where we've got people on social media asking you questions. And the first one's from Ryan Scott, and he asks what your favorite karaoke song is. And I guess that starts with a question of, do you even do karaoke? Man, that is a great question. I do karaoke, not much, like very reluctantly. I can give you a karaoke story. I, I one time, like in AA, we had to like on the bus, like sing karaoke and like you had to do a song. And so I was like, all right. It was like the first time I think I'd ever done it. I'd never done it as a kid. I got on the mic or whatever and started singing. And the pitching coach who was like like wanting to razz you and wanting you to look bad, that was part of it, took the mic from me and he was like, no, no, you're good, man. Go sit down. <laughs> Just uh, you got you got benched. You got benched in karaoke. I got benched. Yeah, it's really bad. But I didn't choose the correct song. As I got older, I learned to stay in my lane. You know, like something like um, I wear my sunglasses at night, something 80s, something you don't have to sing good, something simple. I don't ever get the words right. That's my problem. Is like, So I need to be reading the words. And on the bus, there was nothing. Like I just put headphones on and was trying to sing with the song, but I don't know the words. All right. Jake Dacey. He asked on Twitter at Jake, 
What's something new you tried out, a hobby, a food, a routine, during this pandemic year that you might not have normally tried? Just something different. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I had more time to play Dungeons and Dragons, and I always wanted to play it. Yeah, no, you know, when I was a kid, I had older, much older siblings, and I remember having one, like, magazine with, like, all these Warhammer figures, and, like, I would just look through it. That's as close as I got to D&D, because I didn't have anyone to play it with. So I would just sit there and go, oh, I bet this is pretty cool. So you, you've been playing it, and it's been pretty cool? What I like about Dungeons & Dragons is um, it's more about just hanging out with your friends. It's like spending quality time together. It's using your imagination. I think the cool thing, like the great skill that you get from Dungeons & Dragons is storytelling and acting. So if you're like into acting, which I'm not the greatest actor, or it's like kind of like this role-playing and you're playing this character. So uh, if you're into that sort of thing, it's great. I enjoy it because it's just quality time with my you know wife and friends and I do enjoy the story, though. It's it's pretty fun to just follow along the story and make decisions. Yeah, you're talking to the president of the drama club, uh, 1994 Burlingham High School. So you'd probably be fun to 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 play with. We have one like we have one guy who who's uh, actually super amazing at like following the character. He wrote this whole story of this one. Uh, I I can't even like begin to tell you like how dramatic and amazing this character was and like. She died, so it's been very sad, but it happens. <laughs> oh, all right. Jeff Delani, at Delani Jeff, what's your favorite movie? That's that's a classic one. What's, what's, your, what's Hunter Pence's favorite movie? You know what? It, it's one you're not going to expect, but I really loved watching this movie whenever like I was down or like you know tough times in the season or whatever and it always just kind of inspired me and brought me back up with Cinderella Man. Ooh, okay. That's a good one. Russell Crowe, Russell Crowe. So it's got like that that nice three act structure where he he's coming through and fighting ad- adversity. He's at the top, he falls down, really gets really low, is a good guy, good to his wife and then you know something happens and it gives him another chance and he makes it happen and uh, it just like you know he's fighting for his kids and his wife and I just love stories where like about like good people, you know, being doing doing the right thing. That's a solid choice. That's a solid, solid choice. Right, but we've got one more, and I like this one. This is from Stephanie. I mean, it's at S T U F G E, and she asks, if you stack one lasagna on top of another, is it two lasagnas or is it one lasagna? If you stack one lasagna on top of another one lasagna, is it now two lasagna? I think it's still one lasagna. It's just one stacked lasagna. It's a stacked lasagna. I think so. I think so. Because you can make a lasagna with 100 layers. If you throw a glass of water into the ocean, you don't get two oceans. You get one ocean with an extra glass of water. Whoa. Did I just blow your mind? That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. The one is the all. The all is the one. Whoa. We're all just energy. <laughs> <laughs> We're all just a part of the same, you know, universe. All right. Ocean of energy, of life. Oh, man. That was a good way to end it. This has been Baseball Barista. Uh, no, oh, wait, you got, you want predictions, don't you? Uh, no, I want to talk about Home Run oh, Derby. Gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. What? I blew it. I've been like, I thought I gave you the best segue ever when I was like, yeah, you know, the extra inning rules and... I blew it. I blew it. Okay, yeah, yeah. We do have to talk about this. Before we go, the Pioneer League, which uh, as of last year was affiliated. It was an affiliated league. It was a rookie league in Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball did all the weirdness with the minor league classifications. And so now the Pioneer League is an independent league, but they're an MLB partner league. So they are... It's weird. But... They are trying, instead of extra innings, they don't want to do wear and tear on their pitchers. They want to get off the field. So, tied at the end of a game, home run derby. Home run derby.
This is like actually gonna be so fun to watch. And like, as a purist, as a baseball purist, absolutely should not do this. But as a fan, Hell yeah, it's like it's like hockey. Like I'm so glad that they don't have ties and that they did the shootouts. Like I love watching the shootout. And we would all talk about this, like how exhausted we would be. Why can't we just do a home run derby? Just send one person. Like I'm at peace with it. And I mean, as a fan, you get five pitches. Like the, the I, I got to read this. To ex- avoid excessive strain on our pitching staffs, the Pioneer Baseball League will not have extra innings, but rather will employ a first-of-its-kind knockout rule that resolves tied games with a head-to-head sudden-death home run duel. <laughs> this is so cool. Under the rule, each team designates one hitter who receives five pitches with the game determined by the most home runs hit. If still tied after the first knockout round, another hitter is selected for a sudden death home run faceoff until the winner is declared. Now, I have to say, if this ever got to the major leagues, which it probably won't, but let's just dream, okay? You're now going to need a really good home run derby pitcher because he only gets five pitches. There's no taking, right? Like, you can't miss this pitch. That's a lot of pressure on a BP pitcher. Like, the whole game is decided on you making sure to hit these spots. And then you also need a home run derby hitter. So now, there's new value for some of these hitters as well. Like, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. This dude has got extra value because it's like, this is my champion. You know? I think of, like, Troy. It's like, We're going to not battle all these armies and lose all these lives. Just your best warrior versus our best warrior, and we'll make peace. All of a sudden, like, Darren Ruff's an MVP. It's like, all right, get out there, Darren. You know, you're the biggest guy on the team. (laughs) Extra value, man. Like, this dude crushes it in home run derby. You're going to want to put him up there. He's, you know, (laughs) I think it's great. To that first point, and I promise I will go somewhere with this story, but in uh, one of the softball leagues that I coach, it is the you have the kids pitching, right? And so they're about eight years old, eight, nine years old. And if they throw four balls, the coach comes in to finish off the at bat. The wrinkle is, is that if they throw two strikes and three and four balls, the coach get, comes in and gets one pitch. And if he hits, and it, it's the coach of the, the player who's batting, right? So you come in to pitch to your hitter. And if you like throw one over their head or you hit them, They strike out. That's it. They go back to the dugout. And so the pressure on me, who is a mechanical idiot, to come out there and throw one strike is overwhelming. So now I'm thinking about like a a bullpen coach or whoever's out there. You know, everything's on you all of a sudden. You're not even in the major leagues. You're not collecting a nine-figure salary. I don't care. Throw strikes. Throw strikes. Even the home run derby, like obviously they they have like wiggle room and there's now a time limit and whatnot. But before it was just like 10 outs or whatever. Your pitcher, your BP pitcher like feels stress and they put a lot of work into being good at BP. Like even just regular batting practice. These guys are like, how was my rhythm today? How was my time? There's a timing to it, It, especially with like big league hitters because they're working on so much stuff. Like getting a good BP pitcher is hard to find. Like there's lots of great ones, but they it's an art. And so, yeah, like you felt the pressure. Imagine the whole game being on it. Like these BP pitchers are going to be, it's going to be fun. That is, it's, (laughs) I just feel bad. You know, it's not, it's obviously it's at the Pioneer League, which is several levels below the majors. It's probably going to be all before we see it in the major leagues. We're probably not going to see it in the major leagues anytime soon. We're never going to see it in the major leagues, but we can dream and we can talk and we can laugh. It makes me nervous. Like I'm nervous for the bullpen coach and he doesn't even exist yet. You know, it's like, it freaks me out. (laughs) All right, we, we've got, uh, real quick, just some predictions. We have, I've got the schedule pulled up. 
We have a couple different series going on this weekend. We have Giants at the Padres. You have the Mets at the Phillies. You have the Braves at the Blue Jays. That's an interesting uh, interleague play. You've got Astros at the Rays. You have Indians at the White Sox. Dodgers at the Brewers. Angels at the Mariners. You got anything that you're looking looking for in one of these series? All right. A couple of the teams that I'm 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 very interested in is like the Mariners. They're playing pretty good. I want to see if they're for real. I'm interested to watch the Mariners. The Giants, Padres, because, you know, you wouldn't even realize it, but the Giants are, you know, they're at the top of that division right now. And it, they're, you know, we're going to stay quiet. Like, they're not moving up the power rankings. No one's saying anything about them, but they got some pitching. Descalfani, Disco, Disco Inferno, you know, they got Sanchez pumping. They got some arms and they are, they're hitting. So, like, Giants Padres is very enticing to me, and the Giants beat them in San Diego earlier this year, so that's going to be a fun series. I want to see about these Mariners, the Mariners Angels, especially because both of them kind of had good starts, and I want to know, you know, what's what's cooking over there. I'm still following my White Sox. I was expecting them to be great this year, so all those series, uh, uh, those those are the teams I'm going to be watching, rooting for. I want to know who's for real, and so we're 15 percent in. I don't think we know who's for real. I think there's a lot to be determined. I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. Good stuff. Good stuff. This has been episode five of the Baseball Barista. I had a lot of fun talking to you. And so we'll be back next week. We will know what happened in all those series. We'll have more to talk about. Maybe some more goofy rule changes. I don't know. I'm still like spinning off thinking of a bullpen coach deciding the the World Series or something. I can just imagine (laughs) there's like two outs in the ninth and it's a tie game. And the bullpen coach is like trying to warm up and make sure he's ready for his five pitches. Like so stressed. All right. Thanks a lot, Grant. All right. We will be back next week. Thanks for listening to the Athletic Baseball Show show. I love coffee! <laughs>